0: head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now do we still do code opens martin i don't know I it's think been it, I like think that depends 400 years since we've recorded together i think yeah how many episodes have it's we done you've got all these new friends all these new friends all these new friends. well i'm if sorry martin but all these new questions. friends are so cool you and... never
1: interview me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i should interview you what would i interview you about how did you end up living
1: with Thomas Frank of College Info Geek? That is an interesting topic, my friend. Well, it is an interesting
0: topic. You know, not everybody does. Not everybody Very does. Very few people, actually. Four people do. It's kind of interesting that I'm 25 years old and still have four roommates. Oh, don't say that number. I'm <laughs> going to have an Ooh. existential crisis right You're now. You're almost older than that. Uh, I don't want to think about it. Anywho... We are going to slog through this podcast episode. I'm actually feeling pretty good, but I have a feeling that in the next 24 hours, I am going to feel destroyed. Why? Uh, Because I have been, so I've been really serious about going to the gym lately and on my Snapchat, which I actually do have a Snapchat now for anybody who wants to follow me on Snapchat. I'm Tom, frankly over there, just like anywhere else. And I'm going to link it up in the show notes. Trendy Tom. (laughs) Okay. I got it. Look. Hear me out for a second. No, me. I used to be a Snapchat disbeliever, disparager, whatever you want to say, because I didn't understand it. And I was like, <laughs> it's just for the kids, blah, blah, blah. I started using it because my friend Stefano did a 30 day Snapchat challenge where he used he had he challenged himself to use Snapchat every single day for 30 days to do the stories and everything. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it out just for the heck of it. So what I started doing is just posting random stuff on my story, which is. I don't know. You you've probably never used it, so you don't even know what that nope, is. Don't even care what it is. All right, let me break it down for you, Mr. Old Man. Yeah, I'm Mr. An old man. Six Months older than me. Snapchat is like disappearing messages, right? You take a picture, oh, you it's put like some a real stupid filters and stuff on it, and then it disappears. So they can, you know, the person you send it to, they can look at it for however many seconds you set and then they can't ever again. And that's cool. And basically all I had ever used Snapchat for in the past was like for the face swap thing because it's really funny and it's like one of the best ways to do something when you're bored at like a dinner or a networking event. But they also have this story thing where you can just share something you took a picture of with the whole world, everyone who wants to follow you. And that one, stays up. Is this one permanent? Yeah. It sta- it's not permanent. It stays up for 24 hours. Oh. So basically like you have a story feed and everything you put into it stays up for 24 hours since it was published. So like... I could make a zillion of them. And, you know, as long as anybody could watch from the oldest one up to 24 hours old till the newest one. So it's pretty cool. So Stefano has been using it to do like little Snapchat lessons, like basically little mini YouTube videos. I've been using it to take pictures of dumb things. But I kind of had a realization this morning. Number one, with Snapchat, when you go to your story feed, you don't see the content that they posted right away like you do on twitter or instagram or facebook so you can't like you can't just scroll through and ignore everyone's stuff you're not just inundated with yes stuff immediately it's like text messages or email where you just see the person's name and if you're like i like thomas frank kind of maybe actually he's kind of a dork but you know he's entertaining sometimes then you'll probably be curious enough to click on it and from that point it takes over the whole screen so that's pretty cool but the other thing I realized this morning is that people can snap you back on your story. So if they see something in your story they want to respond to, they can like send you a personal snap and then I can reply to those. And it feels like way more fun and personal to reply to those than to reply to, say,
1: tweets. So like little weird mini video messaging.
0: Yeah, it is like that. Yeah. So, okay. so this morning and for people listening, don't don't all think i'm gonna do this because i'm gonna get inundated with a million of them but one person sent me a picture of their textbook and they were just like this is not happening i'm not studying right now and i just like sent them back a picture of me looking all stern and i was like get your work done bro and (laughs) yeah i think i could spend you know a couple minutes every morning yelling at people over snapchat to do their work okay hey hey i don't don't hate (laughs) snapchat i just don't use social media and i don't use any of them yeah i I know twitter but i tweet like once a month Mm -hmm.
1: but you know, I'd like to apologize to all the all the students out there who have been forced to listen to how Snapchat works because I don't know. hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had to hear Tom tell me how it works. You're sorry, I'm not sorry, sorry, I'm not sorry yeah
0: I'm just I'm sorry because it's my fault for not having any idea how Snapchat works. That is true. Well, you know what, I did see uh, Snapchat from Obama on there. And if he said, if I can figure out Snapchat, and you can figure out how to go vote, so hey, if Obama can figure out Snapchat, I have faith in you too, Martin. Yep, I just, you can I, figure I it just out. don't want to figure it out. But you could be given like daily language lessons, or you could do like don't a daily that make Snapchat me want to do it. I'm interchange. govern and old. Look, what if what if there was like some listeners in the audience, and they were like, I really want to practice my Spanish, and Martin Baby had like Snapchat Spanish Club, where if you Snapchat yourself doing uh, no, a 10-second Spanish clip don't to Martin, to me. Don't then to me. Let's move he will on. respond to you with Snapchat oh, in Spanish cool. back. Ooh, I don't like this. I think I sold you on it. Dear audience, nice. please do not pressure me <laughs> yeah. to do this. I will begrudgingly think about it. So, yeah, if you want to get in contact with Martin, his Twitter is oh, no. mpbbamy. It'll be up in the show notes. Oh, no. Maybe I mean, Martin writes the show notes. I have no control over this. But... <laughs> I think
1: that I won't I won't hurt <laughs> the chances of somebody finding my Twitter very much by not putting them in the
0: show notes. That's true. Yeah, all you got to do is I might search as well Martin Baimey Twitter in Google. But know. yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm not using it as much as some people. I still feel a little bit ridiculous if I'm like walking on the street with my phone in front of me. Like I don't get the whole selfie thing as much, but I'm easing into it. Uh, and there, there is a side of me that gets frustrated because I'm like, I should be working on more substantial things like reading full books and writing big, long articles. But then there's this other part that's like, but Snapchat is cool. So it's all a balancing act, but I'm having fun with it. I don't know. Maybe I'll just take from my Instagram time, which isn't very much time anyway. Anyway, I don't feel all that bad about putting this Snapchat diatribe into this particular episode because... Oh, no, I've learned some things and I'm annoyed now because it sounds... Oh, now you're thinking about it. Ooh, Uh, the idea virus has been planted. But today, so what I really wanted to talk about today was how to start your own podcast because you and I did the So You Want to Start Your Own Blog episode. What was that? 125, I think. uh, If you expect me to remember the numbers, you are... I remember numbers. Sad. You're the person who makes the shortcuts for the numbers. So, hey, man. Here's the reason you make a shortcut. It's so you don't have to... I'll just look it up.
1: I don't need to remember. That's true. It's the internet. That is true, yeah. Also, I don't listen to the episodes I'm on. I don't need to listen to my own advice again, you know? Why not? I just don't go back to it very often.
0: Come on. Andy from The Office said it best. Repetition, personality mirroring, and never disengaging from a handshake. You got part one right there, repetition. Repeat your own lessons back to yourself. Okay. This is the key to success. I just feel
1: like if people catch me listening to a podcast where I'm talking, they're going to think I'm really full of myself.
0: You don't go into Subway... And see someone like the employee there making a sandwich for themselves and then call them pretentious. I might. Look, they're a sandwich. <laughs> what, what's their facial expression? Are you like making when your. You're making the sandwich? Are they like, mm, this isn't gonna be the best mm. sandwich you've ever seen? Yep. You plebeian. I save the best for myself. Mmm. The Dijon mustard goes on my sandwiches. All the other people only get regular mustard. Yeah, I don't know the person. I'm, I'm not gonna call it. Maybe they are full of themselves. Yep. Though I did, I did have a realization that Jimmy John's is super legit because they use Grey Poupon. Oh. And I don't think they had Grey Poupon at the subway, so... I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Anywho. So yeah, it was 125, and I'm starting to realize that I can remember these numbers better than you can because there's like an emotional attachment to some of the episodes that maybe you don't have, to some of them at least. I just... You know, I remember like their titles and then I, yeah. I just go to the page and look for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I was on a podcast the other day, which probably isn't out as this one's going to be out, but it's on, I th- oh, I can't remember the name of the podcast. Now I got to look it up. It's like a memory guy and his podcast is called, I think it's called Magnetic Memory Method. That's what it is. Yeah. So he interviewed me for that podcast. We had a good chat and he was asking me what my favorite memorization technique was and I I stated that my favorite one was just visualization because if I can walk myself through a story, I can remember things like strings of numbers way, way easier. Um, and like grouping is really easy too. I actually think I can remember my 12 digit new health insurance number after looking at it twice because grouping helped it. But as I said, I was going and I'm doing more workouts, you know, three times a week now. And I come home and I record all the workout stats. And I can remember every number of you know the weights I did and the sets or the reps that I did because I just walk myself through the memory of like how heavy the weights were, remembering myself putting the plates on and like doing the math of how much each plate number adds up to. Oh yeah. And I was just kind of cool to think about the other day as I'm filling out the spreadsheet. I was like, this is like a lot of numbers. And if I was just trying to memorize them, you know without any sort of connection to the real world, it would be impossible to do as quickly as I'm doing now. So yeah, I think there's there's some like emotional connection to the episodes or something like yeah. that.
1: Well, I mean, also you feel the timeline of all of them. I feel the timeline mm-hmm. of the ones I'm in.
0: Yeah. So I don't feel the number change over. That's true. And speaking of episode numbers, I think, so this is 133 on my podcast and I've done... About 120 ish on Listen Money Matters. So, one fourth of the way to 1,000 podcast episodes recorded, at least for me. That is a lot. Yeah. And that has been done over the course of just shy of four years because we're here in November and I started the CIG podcast back in January 2013. So, segueing into the main topic of this podcast, because we got to give the people what they downloaded. I have a bit of experience with running podcasts, and because we did that, so you want to start your own blog episode, people liked it, we got requests for how to start a podcast, we wanted that episode, and then people also want a how to start a YouTube channel, because that was just like a trifecta of media things that we do. So today we're going to talk about how to start your own podcast. I've got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven steps. Ooh, seven easy seven steps. Seven easy steps. You're not going to
1: even believe number yeah. six. Maybe it's not true. To be I, honest. I not know that. I, I didn't look.
0: They are not that difficult. Like starting a podcast is is not the hardest thing in the world. Now making a good podcast, that's tough. But you can go through these steps fairly easily. And I was actually pretty surprised at how easy the process was when I did it back in 2013. It's even easier now because podcasting has really come into its own and had a renaissance. But you can do this stuff. We're going to run through seven quick steps. And by the end of the show, you're going to know how to start your own podcast why you might want to, why you may want to stay away from it, depending on who you are. And I think it's going to be a good time. So I guess uh, it's like 10 minutes into the show and I haven't even told people where the show notes are, but you can find those show notes over at cigpodcast.com slash 133. And therein you will find all the links to many of the different resources we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about mics and recording software and all kinds of other stuff. We're gonna talk about some example shows in different categories here in a couple seconds. So check them out if you are interested in this topic at all. And uh, what you'll also find there is a link to both rate and review this show on iTunes, and later in the show you're gonna understand why that's so important, because we're really just pulling back the curtain. And uh, you're gonna be doing the editing part because I no longer do that part. Oh yeah. Which is great. But yeah, before you edit though, I think step one to starting a podcast is to figure out what the heck you want to do with podcasting. So there's a few different kind of criteria that I think you need to run yourself through. Number one, like why do you want to podcast? And I think there are a lot of benefits to it. Number one being that you simply become a better speaker and better able to articulate your thoughts. Now, you've been on this show for uh, officially since what episode? 99 96 maybe something The like changing books one and then like a smattering of questioning episodes before that but yeah so you've probably been on between 15 and 25 if I were to estimate that sounds reasonable would you say that those 15 to 25 episodes have helped you become like a better speaker or uh any yes. of those benefits yes Because it's certainly far less than what I've done at this point, but I still think. certainly, yes, because I mean, in your daily
1: life, how often do you have to actually say anything about anything? I don't have to teach people things on a normal day. I don't have to explain my thoughts on a normal day. I just do things, Mm -hmm. you know? So even doing this a small amount of times is just more practice with speaking
0: than most people will get in their
1: daily life, I think.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Do you think that podcasting has helped you become a better conversationalist in just casual everyday life? as well you know I'm not sure maybe but I
1: don't I don't think I have enough data there I've been uh maybe I need to get out of the house more but haven't had (laughs) a lot of conversations with new people for me to think about that
0: well you've gone and done like Spanish club at the library and stuff like that so I mean I think there are some examples I suppose that's true the Spanish conversations are usually limited by the other
1: person's Spanish speaking abilities so I can't go too far
0: well I will have to take you to some network event at some point. Yeah, something. I think once we move, you know, there's going to be just unlimited opportunities in Denver. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm really really and excited about that. I wouldn't be surprised
1: that. if if it had helped my conversational skills. It's just that being mm. in the middle of the suburbs right now is just not the it's not the liveliest location for that.
0: It's true. Yeah, yeah, where we're located is pretty tough for getting out and going to things. Uh for me, I think I would list 3 benefits to me personally. I mean, it has definitely helped the business. At this point, about 10,000 people will listen to an episode within the first week, it goes live, and then that'll, depending on the episode's topic, I think that the topic of an episode is really the most important factor for the podcast. Work its way between 15 and 20,000 for an average one. We've have a, We have a few that are way over that, especially the Deep Work episode. But for me personally, it has made me a better speaker it has made me more confident. And as I talked about in the confidence video that I did a few weeks ago, the skills I've had to hone through podcasting really do translate at least in part to my ability to speak in person on a stage and to have conversations. Number two, it's made me a much better interviewer because I mean, you can go back to episode two and episode four. Those are my first two interviews in this show where I'm talking to somebody who I don't really know very well and I'm trying to interview them and and uh, you know, come up with great questions that dig into exactly what they're doing, like really interesting insights and things like that. My ability to do that has just skyrocketed. It's insane. And uh, when I go back and listen to that stuff, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like the questions I'll ask or don't ever listen maybe to they don't ones. they don't lead in or they don't you know they don't build off the the previous question very well or it's not very organic and the flow is just very disjointed and stilted and now it's much better I've become a better listener I think I can dig into an answer that I guess give me and come up with a follow-up question that really digs even deeper into that answer or the story they're telling so that's been really helpful and that translates into the real world And then the other thing is because I do what is half an interview show, the podcast has actually been a really good way for me to build a network because I have this thing to offer to somebody right away. You know, if there's an author who has a book coming out really soon, or if there's just anybody who wants to expand their reach, I can come in and say, hey, I would love to have a conversation with you on the podcast. I think you have a lot to offer to my audience with your experience, but I also have an audience. So, you know, if you have the book coming out, I can tell them about it or if you've got a cool YouTube channel or something else or some idea you really wanna spread, I can offer that. And sometimes when I'll pitch guests, I will explicitly state that in my my emails, not always, but sometimes it is kind of a sales tactic, sort of, to get people on the show. And I think that's the reason why, you know, probably the best example is uh, Arne Duncan, the former Secretary of Education for the entire country wanted to be on this show because there's an audience. I don't think I would have ever gotten the opportunity to talk to somebody in the president's cabinet without having something to offer. So, you know, and me and Arnie aren't like hanging out every weekend, going to get a drink or anything. But the fact that I'm on his radar and we got to talk is pretty cool. And that's something that podcasting can offer you. Now it's the product of, at that time, it had been three years almost of consistent effort. So it does take a lot of work, but there are a lot of benefits that are inherent in podcasting if you stick with it so with that being said we need to talk about what kind of show you want to build now you are not a media consumer like an online media consumer so not as much i don't expect you to have a bunch of favorite podcasts you listen to but on my pocket casts app which is the app that i listen to all my podcasts on i've got 57 podcasts i'm subscribed to uh i don't listen to all of them all the time but How could you possibly (laughs) listen to all of them all of the time? That's true. My unplayed count is currently 2,207. How many minutes do you think is on that?
1: How many hours do you think is on your unplayed list? How are you going to do this? I don't
0: even want to do the math there. Well, okay, so I'll tell you right now, the only podcasts that I keep up with are Hardcore History, which is probably my favorite, and it's audiobook-level quality. Like Dan Carlin is just a genius mastermind at what he does. And then the two podcasts that CGP Grey creates, Cortex, which is about nerdy productivity things and, you know, digging into Apple stuff. And then Hello Internet, which is literally just him and Brady Heron, who runs The number file and a bunch of other channels, talking about whatever. And they're very entertaining. So I keep up with those, especially Hardcore History, because I just love it. And then uh, with other ones, I just kind of pop in and out. You know, if a topic or an episode title introduced me, then... I'll download it if I've got time. But that being said, I've kind of broken down a few different areas of shows that you could or like types of shows that you could potentially make your show fit the mold of. So we've got co-hosted chat shows and I'm not going to call ours a co-hosted chat show because you and I aren't just like two guys talking about whatever. Yeah, it's it's more focused in topic. Yeah, we're in the second one, which I call topical shows. But the co-hosted chat shows are just like things like Hello Internet your girlfriend listens to Gilmore Guys, which I've been yep. reliably told they don't only talk about Gilmore Girls. That's like the veneer. Like, it's and just it's yeah. just
1: people having a, having a conversation and you're kind yeah. of hanging out with them mm-hmm. through listening. You're eavesdropping on
0: some cool people's conversations and mm-hmm. you feel like you're there. And I think topical shows and co-hosted chat shows really blend in. Like, there's a muddy spectrum. I don't think it's really easy to totally separate them. Well, yeah. Because you've got shows like, you know, the Jimquisition or... The, any of the IGN podcasts or the Giant Bombcast, where they're ostensibly about video games or they're ostensibly about some topic, Gilmore Girls, whatever. But what it really is is a bunch of people who get together every week and talk, and you as the listener get to sort of feel like you're part of the conversation. And for me, that is the biggest benefit of listening to podcasts. You know, things like Hardcore History, notwithstanding, because that's just pure education, listening to one speaker. But with the chat shows, it's like I feel... I don't know, like I have more friends and it makes driving places much more fun. Oh yeah. So, you know, nothing wrong with doing a show like that. You got topical shows where there is very, you know, very keen focus and they usually don't deviate too much. I would say this very podcast is a topical show like that. Um, Listen Money Matters is one, my other podcast. And then Hardcore History is definitely topical. Very different kind of topical show because he's doing it like an, audio book basically, it's not a conversation between two co-hosts. You've also got narrative journalism type shows, so these are things like Criminal and Serial, uh, and 99% Invisible, where they'll take a topic, but they'll do a much more narrative story-driven way of presenting it, so uh, in the case of Serial, it was one entire podcast about this one murder case across multiple different episodes, and they were going through evidence, and. Recording themselves going to the places where the murder took place, that kind of stuff. Hmm. 99% of Visible is a really cool show where they will just take some really weird esoteric aspect of everyday life that you probably don't notice, like McMansions or the horse tunnels that used to be underneath the New York City streets that are now all boarded up and taken over by subway train tunnels like just look things you would never notice. And then they'll really just dig into it and find experts. And it's really fascinating to hear about stuff you'd never think to learn about uh, yourself. So those are cool. And then there are fiction podcasts. And I'm probably leaving stuff out here, but this is kind of a broad overview. So fictional podcasts, a couple that I like are The Truth, which is just a bunch of fiction stories read by narrators. And then there's one called Welcome to Night Vale, which is... It's a connected universe. I wouldn't say that there is like a super strict continuation of the narrative across every episode, but it's all within one universe in this town where basically every conspiracy theory is true. And it's just the dude who is he's basically the actor is like the dude who is the community radio announcer for the town. So So, he's like
1: he's like narrating it.
0: Yeah. As if he's
1: in it. It's not like. So he addresses uh, they're you not acting it out like a musical. It's like a narration.
0: Yep. And most like 99% of the podcast is just him. So it is as if you are a citizen of this crazy town of Night vale and you're listening to the community radio station and he's just sitting in there saying, you know, public announcement the shadowy city council has now banned cars and breathing, stuff like that. And it's, it's fun. So I love it. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're going to. If Whatever topic or type of show you want to do as your podcast, just pick something you're interested in, and even if you feel like it's too narrow right now, once you start writing or once you start really digging into your topic, you're going to find a lot that you can do, or in our case, you're going to find that your topic, which might be college, ostensibly, can be really broadened out once you kind of attract an audience that has at least one shared characteristic. You know, because we do the art of loving. Like, yeah, is that a College Info yeah, Geek is, show?
1: Even the target market for that. I
0: don't know, mm-hmm. but it's it's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, this show is called College Info Geek. It, the description is it's a show that helps students become better studiers, better, you know, better in their careers, all that kind of stuff. And the majority of the episodes are that. But we also have how to start a coffee shop or the art of loving or the DIY episode we did recently or There's a lot of things that just kind of fall a little bit outside of our sphere, the defined bubble that you would say we sit in, and yet people like it because there are aspects of it that they are interested in, as long as you kind of have that core group and you usually serve them with the stuff they came for. So that's the kind of tack we take with the podcast. Anywho, so that's step one, and we're gonna go a little bit quicker with these next steps here. So step two is acquire the gear. And we're using some... Upgraded gear. This is definitely not the stuff that I started out with, but Martin, so you, I don't know if you know the mic you're using right now. I think it's an ATR something, 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 something. Oh, you mean the one that you were using before? The one in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, we'll get to that because that's actually the mic that I recommend for most people. So, right now, we're using, uh, I'm speaking into a Shure SM7B microphone, which is actually the microphone that Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on. Oh, most A lot of radio stations use this mic. It's really kind of a workhorse in the industry. And then you are speaking into a Rode NTG4 Plus, which is a shotgun mic. It's what I use for videos, but we found that it actually works pretty well for podcasting too. So I just kind of move the boom pole over to my desk for when we record. And then we've got both of these mics, which are both called XLR mics. There's basically two types of mics. There's USB, which just plugs straight into your USB port. And then there's XLR, which is a bit of a higher quality audio specific connection. And with an XLR cord, you have to plug into a mixing board. So I have a Mackie Pro FX 8 mixing board. It's got, I think, eight channels on it. It's, you know, you've seen like the pictures of crazy mixer boards in recording studios. Think of that, but just narrowed down to the size of maybe like a shoebox or something. So it's a little bit over overkill for what we do, but I ring it out for all it's worth. And then we edit and record in software called Adobe Audition, that comes with the Creative Cloud suite. Though I think you just subscribe to yeah, I just Audition. have the app by itself. And how is it like twenty bucks a month? I think. Yeah. Okay. And then, and that's still a little advanced. Uh, and then also we have podcast hosting. So basically, you probably are used to going to iTunes and finding a podcast there, or finding a podcast in whatever podcasting app you use. All of these are directories. They just list the podcasts, and what they do is they point your podcasting app to the address of where the podcast's files are hosted. So you do need hosting. Um, And we use one called Simplecast, which is actually the one I recommend because it's cheap and it's unlimited in both bandwidth and how many episodes you can upload per month. So that's awesome. But if you're just starting, you don't need all those professional audio gear because that's not what I started with. You just need stuff that works. So for the bare minimum, I would say for a mic, uh, the ATR2100, which is, is that Audio-Technica, I think? Uh, I think so. I can check real quick, just to be sure. ATR2100, yeah, it's an Audio-Technica. It's a USB microphone, so you don't need a mixer. You literally just plug it in to your computer, and it has surprisingly high quality sound for the price and for not being XLR. It's like 80 bucks, I think. You could probably get it for cheaper than that on Amazon on some days when it's on sale. I started out with a mic called the Blue Yeti, but I think the ATR 2100 is usually cheaper and sounds just as good, if not better. The only time I would ever say to go with the Blue Yeti as your starter microphone, eh, microphone over the 2100 is if you're gonna have uh, multiple people recording off of one microphone because the Blue Yeti has this dial on the back and you can turn the dial to switch through different modes. So there's like a single direction mode where it really only picks up what's directly in front of the front of the microphone and then everything else around the room is kind of muffled and not picked up. And that's exactly what both of the microphones we're using right now do. But then you can switch it to either omnidirectional where it picks up everything in a 360 degree radius or bidirectional where it will pick up both the front and back. And that's useful for if you've got two people sitting across each other on a table, if you're gonna do an interview in person, plop that sucker right in the table and you can pick up both people's sound. So it's a bit more versatile and it can work if you're gonna do stuff like that. But if you're just gonna be on your computer or maybe interviewing people on Skype, 2100 is my pick. Uh, You also need a computer, technically, I guess. You need recording and editing software and podcast hosting. We'll get into those in a second. I do wanna mention that you could do super-duper bare minimum, actually, because you could use your phone now. So there's an app for the iPhone called Opinion Podcasting where you can both record and edit and publish, like basically the whole process within the app. And then there's one called Mobile Podcaster, which I haven't used either of these, but they're out there. Uh, Mobile Podcaster will let you edit and then you can upload your files to your own website. It's a bit more technical, it looks like, from what I've seen, but it does give you an option. or You could literally quote unquote podcast by using the SoundCloud app or the YouTube app if you wanted to publish your podcast to YouTube, which some people do, uh, though you wouldn't be able to get it into iTunes. So we'll talk about that in a second. So Mike's ATR2100 Blue Yeti recording software. I'm gonna recommend Audacity as the starting one because it's open source and free. You use Audition. Andrew, who is the guy who I co-host Listen Money Matters with, he uses Logic, which is the Apple Um, digital audio workstation software, but Audacity is actually pretty dang good. Our roommate, Quentin, uses it for his podcast, which I'm not sure if it's been published to iTunes yet, but he's been editing the files in Audacity for free. It's awesome. So check that out. The only reason that we really use Audition is because I have been using Adobe products for years and I just started out using Audition, so all of our templates, all of our effects suites, everything is baked into Audition, and that's what works for us. And then for hosting, we use Simplecast. I love Simplecast, but there's also one called Libsyn, there's one called Podbean, and SoundCloud. Now with SoundCloud, if you don't record super often and your files aren't super long or huge, you can actually get in a free tier with them. But uh, for us, like we do weekly episodes, SoundCloud would be more expensive than Simplecast would be at least the last time I checked. So that works. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was extra gear that can be useful, audio diffusion foam. So we've got all this foam mounted on the walls, it's from Amazon, and it just cuts down on echo in the room because blank walls make echoing. Now, if you don't wanna buy audio diffusion foam, you can put up blankets and basically fill your room with as much stuff as possible because what you're trying to do is just prevent the sound waves from bouncing off of a flat surface right back to you and your microphone because that's what creates that echoey sound. So step three, this one's real simple. Record an episode, turn on your recording software, just talk, talk with your friend if you want, and then stop. If you wanna record an interview over Skype, the easiest way to do it is to get Skype recording software. If you're on a PC, Pamela call recorder is probably the one you wanna use on a Mac, Ecamm Call Recorder is the one you want to use, and it's honestly better than Pamela, but there's just nothing really that great on Windows. I use what's called a mix minus setup with my mixer, and if you really care, Google it, or I'll link it in the show notes. It's super technical, and don't worry about it. So that brings us to step four, which is to edit your episode, and I've been like just taking over this episode. That's the fun part, (laughs) editing the episode. So once we have it recorded, what magic do you work on the episode to make it sound as it sounds to the people listening right now? Well,
1: uh, so first first off, there's a bunch of, we have some presets set up mm-hmm. for getting rid of noise, some dynamics processing, things like that. And I don't really know how to explain how we set those up, but they are presets that we have. So you figure it out once, you save it as a preset, you do it a bunch of times on all your recordings, you're good. I can explain. I
0: mean, well, we should explain what exactly it is. Right. So it's like, it's a within Audition and Audacity can do this too. You can apply effects to an audio file and Audition has like this effects rack window where you can basically stack a bunch of effects on top of each other. And then you can save your stack and all the little tweaks you've made every single one as a preset. So that's what we've done pretty much. Yeah.
1: So that part's been, once you get it done really kind of once, it's sort of simplified and you don't need to think about it anymore, which is why I don't even really remember it. <laughs> but the hardest part uh, for me comes into cutting the episode. Yeah. So I go through the episode, and I listen for things like vocal pauses and awkward slip-ups or maybe, maybe some words got jumbled and they repeat the sentence afterwards, so you might as well cut up the jumbled stuff and leave just the sentence that worked. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, while I'm listening... I try to listen out for things that we talk about or that you talk about with a guest that we can link to, Uh, interesting tools like you just mentioned a whole bunch of mics and equipment that I'm going to link to in the show notes Mm -hmm. because I want people listening to this podcast to be able to go to their podcast app or to the article that they can go to at cigpodcast.com slash 133 and then click things and say, oh, did they just mention the ATR 2100? There it is, right there. No mistakes necessary. You can just go to it. That's that I think is really useful if you've mentioned a lot of things, if you talk about a lot of topics or subjects or articles you want to link to. Yeah. But so the vocal pauses is just by far the most time consuming, I think, depending on how long the episode is. And if you have, so if you have people that aren't necessarily used to speaking on the mic, if you interview a lot of people, or if it's your first podcast and you're getting used to it it'll be a little harder. You'll probably have more vocal pauses, but it'll get easier over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I wanted to say something, and I I don't know the right way to say this because I don't want to discourage anybody from starting a podcast. I think it's a worthy endeavor. There was an article written by a guy named Ryan Holiday recently, and he's an author. He wrote the book, The Obstacle is the Way, which is like a breakdown of stoicism. I think he's written at least one other book. And... He's also done some really cool marketing stuff in the past. So he's got a pretty great reputation. And he wrote this article recently on Thought Catalog, and I think it was called something like, Please Don't Start Another Podcast. And he keeps running through these, just all these stories he has of all these podcasters reaching out to him and being like, hey, can you come on my show? And they're just basically putting in the least amount of effort that they can, they're like, hey, use this scheduling app, and you know, basically work around my calendar instead of me working around your calendar, even though you're the guest and I'm inviting you. And then they'll always come after, you know, after the interview is done, and hey, can you go share this on your social media and help me? And, you know, it's very me, me, me. And there's is at least in the business category of podcasts, there's like this gold rush going on right now, because there are some very successful business podcasts out there. And a lot of them are built on just interviewing entrepreneurs and business people, blah, 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 those kind of people. And they have, you know, at least the early ones have done well because in a lot of cases, the entrepreneur is happy to have been able to talk about themselves for an hour and they will naturally share that podcast link and that's how those podcasts grow in many cases. But that has triggered this kind of me too rush to podcasting. So what I want to say here is that what I took from Ryan's blog post, was not what he literally said. you know. He literally said, please don't start another business podcast. Please don't start another Skype interview show. Is that really what the world needs? But I viewed it, and I believe that he meant this when he wrote it. What I viewed it as, uh, as was, please do better than these examples that I'm laying out here. Like, if you're the kind of person who reads this article and says, no, screw you, I'm just gonna do better and prove you wrong, like I think that's what he was trying to inspire. So if you want to start a podcast, yes, it's gonna be rough in the beginning. You can go back and listen to my first episodes or anybody's first episodes to prove that to yourself. You know, you will be no different unless you're a prodigy some a prodigy, a prodigy <laughs> somehow. But just put the effort in to try to make it good somehow, you know, in any way that you want. Use some creativity. Maybe try to mix in some sound design, you know. Maybe you're up at night, you know, 2 a.m. making pop noises in the microphone like just so you can throw that in your video or something. There's just a little bit of extra touches you can make to your show to make it rise to the top and stand out from all these Me Too shows. And I don't really know what the landscape is like in other areas, but because we are on the outskirts of the business podcasting world, and I would say Listen Money Matters is definitely lodged within it, I see a lot of this stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out there, and I'll have his blog post linked up in the description. I don't want that to discourage anybody, but I do want it to kind of Inspire you if you're going to do this to do it right, to put a little bit of effort into it. So that brings us to step five, which is also your wheelhouse now. Uh, that is to upload it, get on your website. And then I wrote plus extra stuff, and I've got a little bit of extra stuff in there. But so basically, what do you do once the episode is edited? Like you've cut out all the ums, you've added the effects racks, and you have exported it as an MP3? Okay.
1: Well, um, one thing, one thing that I actually want to mention first is that. We do have cool intro music and transition-y stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That goes into the episode and that, that I think does a lot to bring them together and make them feel like a set. Mm-hmm. But once we've done that and it's all mixed and it, it's an MP3, I basically I bring it into iTunes and I have iTunes set so that it doesn't copy the file into the iTunes media library. That way I'm mm-hmm. altering the ID3 tags, I think, for that podcast file yeah and then i put in the title for the episode of the podcast i mark it as a podcast type thing put in
0: the podcast album art that was one of my extra things you gotta have art for your show yeah and i think that's another area where you can really shine is if you just put yeah I th- it doesn't have to be crazy even, but it needs can to you be have good. one without art like in itunes
1: what would that even yes you as? can there be a there's a
0: space there's a default just i don't know like silhouette of a person. But if you don't have art, I don't think that's that's going to stand out.
1: You need to have Mm -hmm. art. You got to have good art. So basically, I put in all those tags in iTunes. And then I just go up to Simplecast and I I upload it. And then I start putting in, I've got a little template that I use for the show notes on Simplecast. Mm -hmm. And then we go ahead and we have a companion article because that's how we do it at College Info Geek, which has an embed. Of the audio from Simplecast, and it's got uh, usually a nice written intro, yeah. But you don't necessarily need that if you're just doing it on Simplecast with the show notes there. That'll that'll work just as fine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's basically it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Our setup's a little bit different because we've run into a problem where like the RSS feed for the podcasts has become too big to be on our site for some weird reason. So. We have the feed hosted on Simplecast, which I would recommend most people to do if you want to use Simplecast's website generation feature. So they can actually generate a site for your podcast. It's really simple. It won't have a lot of bells and whistles, but it will at least show every episode and look kind of nice. Or if you want to build your own website or you want to kind of integrate a podcast with a blog or something, then you can use a WordPress plugin called PowerPress, which is what we used to do. And you can just integrate your podcast stuff in that. And I'm gonna to link to some tutorials at the, uh, in the show notes for this episode because there's a couple of really great YouTube video and blog combination tutorials that I went through myself that kind of spelled every step of this out for me. And that was very helpful. But if you want to build your own website, have it kind of integrated with the blog or something, I've got a website building guide, which we will also link to in the show notes as well. And then the other thing I was going to mention in this category was if you want to have like an intro, which we've we've cut. I do my intros myself now, but on some podcasts they get a radio announcer guy to do a, you know, deep voiced intro like welcome to the College of a Geek podcast with your host Thomas Brink. And if you want that, fiber.com is the place to go. That's where I got mine. It was 5 bucks had a dude with a professional mic and a radio voice doing this crazy intro. Uh, And that was probably on there for the first 50 or 60 episodes of the show. I have personally gotten away from that. I really like just starting the episode out with myself. And what I really like doing is the cold opens we do now. Those are fun. Yeah. Just having it start as, you know, it's very casual. I think I'm going for that feel of you being in the room with us, hanging out with us. And I think the cold opens help with that. Yeah, it helps warm us up for a real
1: conversation and it Mm -hmm. feels more natural and we're we're not just presenting a PowerPoint presentation or something to that effect.
0: Yeah, exactly. But if you need someone to do an intro or an outro or you want someone to do really any kind of audio effect or cool voice, you can find somebody on Fiverr who will do it for five bucks, which is pretty cool. So after that, uh, step six is simply to submit your podcast to iTunes. You can also submit it to other directories like Stitcher, And uh, there's probably a couple other ones, but really, oh, Google Play, that's a big one now. I was about to say iTunes is the only one that matters. Google Play also matters because now, this wasn't the case for a really long time when I was podcasting, but now I think most Android phones come with the Google Play Music app and podcasting is integrated into that. So now people who are on Android no longer have to download a separate app to listen to podcasts. And that's really exciting. I think this is a really exciting development. This is why podcasting is a cool area to get into now, which is why you see many YouTubers going into podcasting, kind of the opposite way that I did it. Every smartphone now, iPhone and Android, maybe Windows Phone. Windows Phone's like 1% of the market, so I don't concern myself with them that much. But every phone now comes with a default podcast app. That's cool. So you wanna submit to Google Play and you wanna submit to iTunes. I'll link to instructions for both of those in the show notes because it's not worth us going through it in this episode. You need to see it visually. And lastly, you set yourself up for a successful podcast launch. So I've got a few tips for doing that and bear in mind that I did absolutely none of these tips myself because I launched my podcast back in 2013 and had no idea that any of this was a thing. So I'm giving you a head start over what I did. Number one on iTunes, as long as your your podcast has good art, I don't even know what good means, but as long as it has art that's not like absolutely horrible, and as long as it has uh, some listeners, you know as long as like a few people see it, it's gonna go into the new and noteworthy section on iTunes. It may not hit the new and noteworthy on like the front page with all podcast categories, but it will at least hit new and noteworthy within the subcategory that you choose for your show. You want to milk that eight weeks for all it's worth. So the way you do that is number one launch with at least three episodes. I would say if you could launch with five, that'd be even better, but don't launch with just one because the moment someone sees your podcast in iTunes, you want to give them a sampling of what your podcast is going to be like, not what one episode is going to be like, you know? So if it's a topical show, the first ever episode of this show was hacking fitness in college because I was just interested in fitness at the time. But you know, had somebody stumbled onto the brand new show on iTunes and seen only one show on fitness and they didn't care about fitness, they might be like, well, I don't know if this is gonna be about fitness always or if it's gonna be about other topics, I don't know. You know, whereas if I had been able to say, hey, the first three episodes are about fitness and entrepreneurship, and the third episode was about online security, I think, then I'm kind of giving them, a, you know, wider variety of topics to select from. They can, if they, if they like one, it's a greater chance that they are going to subscribe to the show. And that is the number one metric you want to go for, is people subscribing to your show and you having overall growth in subscribers over time. You can't see this. iTunes doesn't tell you how many subscribers you have, so it's really just kind of a shot in the dark, but if you can incentivize people or ask them, hey, please subscribe to this show in your iTunes app or on the iTunes uh, software on your computer, that helps you go up in the charts. And I would imagine that the same way with Google Play. There's just, you know, it's so new that there's not any research that's been done on Google Play. Um, if you do a Skype interview show, you can always ask your guests to promote the show. Just please make sure to serve your guests and make it a good experience for them. Don't be too me-focused on it. I think some people do that better than others, so keep that in mind. And uh, also, another great way to grow is to ask people for ratings and reviews because ratings and reviews are a somewhat important factor for rankings on iTunes, but it's also just something that shows people, hey, this show has listeners, there's some social proof, there's a hundred five star ratings and there's 50 reviews on here, people saying stuff about it. So if you ask your listeners for ratings and reviews, if they like the show enough, they may be willing to go and review your show on iTunes. And that's why we ask for ratings and reviews on this podcast, because it is a method of helping it grow. And then the last thing is like you said, Martin, we integrate the podcast episodes into our blog posts. So you can always integrate with other content. One thing I've been experimenting with lately is uh, I now narrate the blog posts that are written on the site that are not tied to videos because that's kind of an extra way people can get into the podcast. You know, if they're interested in a blog post and they go read it and then they see, hey, you can listen to a 10 minute narration of this show or this uh, blog post instead of reading it. Some people might do that. And then they might come over to the podcast and then vice versa. People who listen to the podcast may find more blog articles that would have otherwise gone unread by the podcast audience. So look for ways you can integrate and cross promote between your different audiences on different mediums. And that's it. Seven simple steps to starting a cool podcast. I bet you want to go start a podcast right now, Martin.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, a word of caution, word of caution. Mm -hmm. Don't, overthink things this applies to editing this applies to maybe you don't like how your voice sounds for the first several episodes because it's mm. on but you recorded them and you you have them mm-hmm. but i know this personally more with editing than the other you don't want to spend like 10 minutes on one um sometimes you can't remove it sometimes it's important because it's showing somebody's thinking if you don't like your voice or you don't like how you said something that's life just do better next time yeah because you're it's like a whole hour like 45-minute, hour, hour and a half, sometimes even longer thing. And if you overthink it, you're going to scare yourself out of editing, (laughs) you're going to scare yourself out of publishing it, Mm -hmm. and then you will never do it long enough to be good at it.
0: Do you want to explain your reminder note that you have in your room?
1: Uh, Because it fits here. Oh, yeah, I've got a a little reminder note right now that my girlfriend drew out for me, and it says no with a bunch of question marks. No question marks, not like no, (laughs) No? no question marks because I would... I had this bad habit of overthinking every tiny little thing, mm-hmm. and there's little there's a vocal pause in an episode or a different problem I'm trying to work out where I would just spend like a half hour endlessly listening to the same little little bit, trying to make it as smooth as possible. <laughs> when in reality, probably none of you even notice if it was slightly different. Yeah, and also some vocal pauses aren't linguistically removable. Mm. If you say but, um. You can remove that um, but if you say but um, you can't because you said there was like a D sound, so it'll sound like bud when you cut it out. Sometimes you can't do it, perfection will not happen. You just gotta do it. But um, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so don't, don't overthink it. Yeah, don't overthink it. I run into this problem with video editing as well. Uh, it's just, you know, constant perfectionism. There's always a battle there. Yeah. But. Expect it to start
1: sounding good after like 30, 40 episodes or something. Don't expect it to be the best podcast you've ever heard in, in the first several.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed to go listen to some of my old stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't want to listen to the first episodes <laughs> I was on. I don't want to listen to them right now. But that's fine. I didn't listen to them on purpose, actually, knowing that I would scare myself out of doing more. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a tip. Don't listen to your episode after it's done.
0: I, I do like the first episodes you were on, though. Oh, those that, are fun because we're, nice. we're playing nice. video games and you can hear Mario in the background and stuff. So, yeah, and you were bad. It was fun. I was bad, but I did get that crown. So, not that bad. Anyway, hopefully, this episode was a useful introduction to the world of, of, world of podcasting. Uh, there are some guides that I used personally, step by step things that helped me. So, the one that I used was the uh, podcasting guide on Pat Flynn's website, smartpassiveincome.com. He has like a whole blog post with several YouTube videos that walks through the entire process of creating a process or of creating a podcast, getting it submitted to iTunes, to everything like that. So I'm gonna have that linked up in the show notes. And then not a resource that I used personally, but John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire has some podcasting guides on his website. So I'll link those up as well, whatever ones I find that you might find helpful. And other than that, go start a podcast if you are interested in doing so get it done do it boom yeah hopefully this has inspired you and given you some direction and uh, i think that's all we got so once again show notes can be found over at cigpodcast.com slash 133 and other than that stay cute and we'll see you next week's episode